I would like to welcome you to Dynamic Web Church. What a privilege for me to just share the gospel of grace with you. To just come into your house, live all over the world, and just bring this message of grace. Man, what an awesome privilege. You know, you are so special to God, that God wants you to know His unconditional love. When God, you know, the, the, the center point around everything that God was thinking was us. doesn't make us so important that we want to say we want to elevate ourselves above God. It just says that God out of His um, just power and being almighty and His sovereign will decided to bless us and decided to plan everything in the universe around us because He decided to make us important. Now, it's not... Um, that we are important in our own power. It's just that He makes you important. He loves you. He cares for you. You know, He gave Jesus for you. This planet He made for you and me. The sun that is shining He made for you and me. The Bible He gave is for you and me. The life that He gave is for you and me. He gave His own life. What He thinks about, what He keeps Himself busy with every day is you and me. For He decided out of His sovereign will to make us Important, And that flows out of His unconditional love. We can't do anything about it. We can just receive it and believe that God is such a good God. You know, there's a place where we can enter into the rest of God. There's a place where we can enter into the unconditional love of God. Know that He cares for us and that He loves us. Amen. Now, if you're a first-time visitor to Dynamic Web Church, I just want to just say this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are so welcome here. We would love... Man, it would have been so nice to see you and just shake your hand, but unfortunately we can't do that. But I thank God for technology and that we can preach this to you today. I want you to know that you are special to God and I believe that you're going to be blessed by this. For all those people that have decided to join Dynamic uh, Web Church, thank you so much. It's an honor to know that there are people that say, I joined this, I want to be part of this full time because this... Um, is where I get impacted with the word of grace. And I want to thank you that you've done that only for this reason. Um, it's an honor for us to serve you. That's it. It's people that say, people that join Dynamic Web Church, it's the people that say, um, man, you can serve me with the message of grace and I am being served to the point that I can be a servant to others. And that servant speaks of preaching the grace of God. And just on that point, I want to just say that so many times we think servanthood is enslavement. You know, um, whenever something happens because of a command, it is enslavement. But when it happens because of <clears throat> abundance of life that's inside you, it is life. Amen. So, in Dynamic Web Church, we want to train you and equip you in the message of grace to the point where you don't live as a slave, but, but where you can live God's life inside you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I want to read... From Matthew chapter 11, and um, well, let me first put it this way, for those of you that view this for the first time, the way it's going to work now, I'm going to share a couple of scriptures, or one scripture with you in Matthew 11, just to encourage you, and the reason why I do this is because there might be people that's just slotted in and they're just going to listen for 5 or 10 minutes and then switch off, other people are going to listen all the time, and some people might listen to this just to see what it is, and uh, I would like to just share uh, a little bit of the grace of God powerfully with them. That's why I will talk for another five minutes on a certain scripture. Then we're going to go over to worship. 
after the worship, I would um, then go right into the Word of God or speak maybe a little bit about finances and give people a little teaching on that. Um, then into the Word, after the Word of God, we've got our cell group. Amen. That is all. And uh, man, we've been doing it now for um, quite a, a, many times. We've been doing that and it works so well. People know exactly what's going on. They know how it's going to happen. And it touches the lives of people. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Matthew 11:28. Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So it says, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. You know, so many times when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to church, we labor in church um, and we are heavy laden. If you're watching this for the first time, you're not even part of a church. You've never been a so-called Christian or anything. You know, I've realized something so, it is clear and I've been speaking to somebody the other day that's more into new age and that type of thing and I realized any other belief except Christianity is law-based. Any other belief, even um, new age. The new age just says that by the energy fields inside you, if you meditate right, you can start to release that energy that is inside you as a human and uh, you can change things in your life, you can better your life, get cancer out of your life, get problems out of your life through meditation and through right eating, um, get all this, the, the electric channels and whatever flowing correctly and about this aura around you. But you know what that is? It's just, it's all still um, human ability based. Out of my ability I can do this. But the gospel of Jesus might use the very same principle about the energy and whatever you want to strictly talk about that. But the thing is, it's all about the energy that was in Jesus Christ. It's all about the power that is in Jesus Christ. You know. So, if you're a Christian, you hear the word energy. Please don't stress, it's the same word as the word power. You know, God is a powerful God, or a God that's full of energy. Amen. So, uh, so many times we just, oh, you know, that's a new age term, and when we hear this, sorry, just, I don't want that. No, <laughs> relax, uh, we can use that term. But I do, all I want to say is, anything besides Jesus is your own efforts, and it is doomed to fail. It's going to fail. It's not going to uh, bless you because somewhere you're not going to have enough energy. Somewhere you're not going to have enough to make it. And you will feel condemned. You will feel there's a need inside you. And if you're watching this for the first time, I want to say this. Inside every man, God has placed an ability to understand the grace of God. Inside every man, there's two things. One thing that Adam has placed there Another thing that God has placed there through Jesus Christ. The one that Adam has placed there is a law unto yourself. You just know right and wrong. You know, you don't take another, another man's wife. You just know that. You don't take an, uh, another uh, lady's husband. You don't do that. You just know it in yourself. You don't have to have any law. You just know. You don't murder somebody. You just don't do it. Because it's a natural law that's written upon your heart. It's just something that you know you're not supposed to do. It's just lust after other people's stuff all the time. 
It's something that you just know inside you, for it's written in your heart. And I believe the moment that was written in your heart was the moment Adam fell and said that by what I do, I will become, and that was now eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you want to know more about that, you can go into Wordwell and just study out the, uh, the fulfillment of the law, and I explain it in depth there. Um, so, but what I want to say is, uh, inside us is that law that you know what's right and wrong, and also inside you is something that says God must be a good God. You just know it deep inside you. And that's why many other religions and New Age and those type of things have started because they rebelled against Christianity that tried to portray God as this angry God. You know, as I spoke to somebody, like I said, that was a little bit into, that is a little bit into the New Age, um, he's, you know, he said to me, you know, we believe that God is a good God. And uh, I said, <laughs> I said to him, um, yes, but that's what Christianity also says. He says, yes, but God is not God who just wants to punish people. I said, yeah, but that's what Christianity also says. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, so many times people start to think of something else because inside them there's, there's, uh, there's this thing that says God must be a good God. And then, because Christianity was portrayed as this rules and regulations and must this and don't touch that and don't do this and don't do that and you must do this and you must do that type of a religion that thing inside them that God has actually placed there that said man God must be a God must be a good God rebelled against that and they want to run away from Christianity and now they throw the baby out with the bathwater and miss the whole thing so um, any type of religion any type of thing, and even being an atheist, is a law-based thing, because it's based on just what you think, and your own efforts. Even if you are an atheist, let me tell you, it's an effort to be one, and uh, you believe something. Belief means to rest your mind. You just want to rest your mind in the fact that uh, God does not exist. So, you, you believe, you're a believer. It just... It's just what you believe in. You believe that there's no God. And the persuasion that you have is for the word faith. So you've got faith and belief and all those type of things. It's just, it, it, it's just directed towards um, something that does not really produce life. Now, if, man, let's get into the script. I want to get off the point. It says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. That word labor means that work hard. And heavy laden means that are overburdened with the practicalities of religion was overburdened with religion. If you are overburdened with religion, we should come to Jesus. That means if you've been working too hard in church, if you've been under too many rules and regulations, and all those type of things, come to Jesus. Jesus also said to the Pharisees, says, you place so many rules and regulations on the backs of people, but you're not willing to carry any of them or to remove any burden. And Jesus came because He is a yoke-destroying, burden-removing God. That's what He came to do. He came to take all those laws and regulations that you were burdened under off your back. And so many times we think that that is just the Ten Commandments. It's not just the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was just a, a, a part of the law. The law is more than the Ten Commandments. The law is anything you think you need to do in order to get blessed of God. Well, let me put it this way. The law is actually the mentality that says, I am not, but if I do, I can become. Or to say that I've received something as a gift, 
and in order for me to have this and to maintain this, I must do certain things. That is the law. You might think that you've received Jesus as a gift and you're a Christian. And then you think, I need to do 20 things in order to maintain my salvation. That is a law mentality. And that will bring forth the emotion of being heavy laden and burdened. Now, I don't want you to be heavy laden and burdened, neither, neither Jesus, even the more um, Jesus, He wants you to rest. And this is what He says, Come to me, all you that work hard and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So many times we are seeking rest by working hard in the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus says, Come to me, you that work hard. Why do we work? We work so that we can rest. He says, why, you that work hard and that are overburdened with this religious thing, come to me and I will give you rest. With Jesus, you don't have to work for rest. Rest is given to you. Then he says, take my yoke upon you, that which I want to place upon you. The yoke that Jesus has, that he came to give to us, he says, take that upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The yoke that Jesus puts upon us is very easy. It is simply to receive rest as a gift. That's the yoke that He puts upon you. And that delivers you from all the practicalities of religion. All those things you must you think you must do to be blessed. You must pay your tithes to be blessed. You must give, give money as sowing to be blessed. You must do all those things to be blessed. Man, you don't have to do all those things to be blessed. You are blessed because of the finished work of Jesus. And let, take up that yoke. Take up that yoke. For Jesus is, he is meek and lowly in heart. That means he has come to serve. He's come to serve us and allow Jesus to serve us. Imagine Jesus was in your house today. And he said, I want to wash your feet. What are you going to say? You're going to say, no way Jesus, you're not washing my feet. No, if that's what He wants to do, allow Him to do that. If you are really struggling with something, let me give you a practical example. I think this is, this is a better example. If your car's battery, the battery's flat. And now, if you're in America, I don't think you're going to understand this because all your cars are automatic. But um, if you've got a manual shift and somebody comes, Jesus comes and says, listen, let me push this car for you. I'll push it for you and we'll run start the thing. And you know this is now Jesus, the Son of God. He's appeared here and now He wants to push your car. Are you going to allow Him to push the car or not? Now, some people say, no, 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 Jesus, that's okay, that's okay. Don't worry, we'll get this sorted out. We'll phone the battery guy quickly. You'll come and bring a battery or a friend. He'll jump start it for us. But we're not going to, um, Jesus, you're not pushing this car. Now, that is, you don't have to do that. Let Jesus push the car. He wants to do it. He wants to do it. Let Him serve you with what He wants. For He is a humble guy. He wants to do that. And then you will find rest for your souls. Because it's your effort to be holy enough that makes you feel unholy and that makes you tired. That's it. Man, isn't it awesome? Now we're going to go over into the worship. Just listen to this music. Let the music touch your heart. Let us flow into your heart. And I know we're using some of this music over and over. It's fine. Every week we're looking for new songs. We're putting new songs on. So uh, just enjoy this. This is just really going to bring forth that emotion 
of God's unconditional love as you listen to these words. Be blessed.
When all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine.
Well, God is a good God and He loves us. And it's wonderful to just be still know that He is God, that He loves us, He cares for us, and that we can rest in His unconditional love. Amen. Well, today is Mother's Day and we would like to just use this opportunity to just bless every mother and to tell all the ladies all over the world that's got children, thank you so much for what you've meant for um, people in this world. Without you... I'm sure this world is just going to go through so many struggles. It's going to be, besides the point that you are bearing the children, that you give birth to children, just the things that happen every day, the work around the house, the stuff that you do, the love that you give to our children, to ourselves. So we just want to thank you and say that God blesses you and may you just enjoy this day. We would like to just pray right now for all the mothers all over the world. Just know that you are special to God. You are loved of God. Amen. Maybe you've been going through hard times as a mother. Maybe you've been divorced. You've just going through hard times. Your children might have rejected you. You've might, you might have just experienced so much negative things and might have this thought that, said, that says, you're not a good mother. You're not a, a good wife. But we want to just say this. We talk from God's perspective and God's perspective is the truth. And that's what we're going to talk about today out of John chapter 8. God loves you. God cares for you. And let the Word of God just enter into your heart. If there's any hurt or anything in your heart that you feel, man, I am not that good mother. God loves you and God cares for you. And He will always 
make you feel special. So, let's get our minds into the Word of God um, when it comes to who we are and what we are in Jesus Christ. But all the mothers, thank you so much for what you've meant to us. I'm sure every son, every father says that to you today because you are special. You mean so much to us. Maybe we don't always, you know, as fathers, go and... um, and, and just show that respect that's due. But I do believe that we ought to do it. But to, if, if you don't experience that, just know this, that God loves you, God cares for you, and you are special. Maybe nobody's ever in your life said to you that you are special as a mother. You are. God loves you and God cares for you. Let's just pray together. Father, I would just like to use this opportunity to pray for mothers that are watching us today. We want to just say, This word, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ empower you, give you peace in this day, give you joy in this day, give you such a hope and an expectation for that which is good to come in this year. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ just bring an enlightened mind to you so that you can see more of His unconditional love, mercy and grace. May you experience the fullness of His love in this year to come. May you experience love from your husband and your children in this year to come. And may you know that you are the call of God, that you play such an important role in society and that you are loved of God in every area of life. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Hallelujah. Now, um, I want us to go over into the Word of God to John chapter 8. And I want to just speak a little bit about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And then from there on we're going to go into what is light, what is darkness, what is the world, and what is heaven, uh, where, where Jesus came from. And uh, what, what is it to know the Father? Okay, then we also want to go into um, knowing the truth and then what the truth is and how the truth is going to set you free. You know, I, I first uh, wanted to speak a little bit about, uh, the, and, and about miracles, signs and wonders, and just put that in the place where it belongs, because so many times we want to use a miracle and a sign and a wonder as the power of the gospel. A miracle is not the power of the gospel. Um, and what I want to talk about, and I'm just going to mention this in short, and maybe next Sunday we'll talk about this, um, is that so many times we think that if we can see a miracle, people's going to believe. And uh, there are people that believe because of miracles, but the Bible says in John chapter 2 that Jesus didn't commit him to those that believe because of miracles. Because because man will only believe as long as what there's miracles. Jesus is not interested in faith that he can do a miracle. He wants you to believe in who he is in who He is, in the type of God that He is, in the type of person that He is. That's what He wants you to believe in. And in John chapter 8, we're going to look at that. And when we go through the Bible, it's very important for you to know and to understand that we go through the Word of God from the perspective to see who God is. If you can know who God is, you'll experience that unconditional love. As you experience the unconditional love, you will find that that experience sets you free from the things that, were, that kept you in bondage. You know, so many times we get sidetracked. 
So many times we come to a place where our minds focused on the grace and the goodness of God and on something and, and we are honest in our hearts, but we miss out, we forget something, we don't merit upon the word, we get our mind into the law um, in certain areas and then we find that we experience that rejection. But I've got good news for you, God hasn't changed. The Bible says if you deny Him, He will deny you. Now what that means is, um, it doesn't mean if you cast Him away, He's going to cast you away. If you deny Him, in other words, if He comes and says, listen, I, ha- I-, I love you, and you say, I deny that you love me. He will still deny what you say and He will say, I do love you. He's going to continue in what He does. The Bible says if we are not faithful, He remains faithful. Hallelujah. He can always change a situation. He can always get the best out of a situation. doesn't matter what has happened. And in this world, <clears throat> to be honest with you, doesn't matter where you go, you find hurt. doesn't matter where you go, you're going to find people with a low self-worth with a, with, with, that can't identify with Jesus Christ, that can't identify with true peace and love. Um, you know, so I, I want to just say this, the more we get into who God is, the more we will experience peace. Hallelujah. Um, you know, I'm just, I, I, I'm just thinking this moment that um, a, a very good friend of mine in Sabi where we grew up, brother, died in a motorbike accident two days ago. And just the pain and the heartache that those people go through. And when I spoke um, to, to my friend's mother, I said, I said to her, and this is the truth, nothing I say can change that situation. It has happened. Um, but... And this is what I said to her. I said to her, you know the Lord, and that's just the way God is. He knows what you need to hear and what you need to experience to help you through that. And that is exactly what He will prompt you to, that what He will guide you to, what He will lead you to, and what He will say to you. And God can do that supernaturally, for He is a God of compassion. He's a God of love. He's a God of care. He's not a God that wants to kill people. If you think of God as a God that wants to kill people, that wants to judge people, that just wants to punish people, you've got a wrong concept about God. That's not who God is. If you just think of how much pain people go through when somebody dies, how can God willingly go and just kill somebody because He has not obeyed Him? That is a control freak. A control freak does stuff like that. A control freak will make sure that you suffer because you haven't obeyed all the things he wants. And one of the greatest things that I had to see when it comes to my relationship with God is that I'm, I can stand in a friendship relationship with God. A friendship relationship with God is uh, meant something completely different than a master-slave relationship. A friendship relationship is when you visit you know, if I visit a friend, I visit him, visit there because I want to. It's not because I don't want to. It's because I want to. That's why I go there. That's why I make effort. That's why we talk. But the moment the friend comes and he says, Listen, I expect of you to visit me at least once a week and to call me every third day. You know, then it's not a friendship anymore. Then he's made himself a boss. He's implied, or in, 
he's, he's, he's put rules in this relationship, and all of a sudden, everything that was full of life died. <clears throat> you know, so, when we come to God, we can come to God from the perspective of a friendship relationship. Now, sometimes it's difficult for us to put that in our minds, because for so many years, we've been conditioned with the thing that God is only this God that is interested in us obeying all the rules. Like a type of God that says, well, if you don't spend time with me every day uh, through reading the Bible and spending half an hour quiet time in the morning or an hour, then, you know, it's not nice for me and I'm going to be upset. Now, nobody can build a, a relationship with somebody that puts demands like that because it will be so difficult for you. It's just difficult to come late or to come on time for your job every time. Some people might say, no, it's not difficult. Well, if you can get it right for 30 years every day, you're good. You know, but everybody's not like that. Something's going to happen. Sometimes you don't want to go to work, but you go because if you don't go, then you're going to lose your job. That's why people are so faithful to go to work. And I've seen it so many times. We can have a church service and if there's rain and the tent is out there, although there's signs, wonders and miracles, people are hearing the grace of God, you will find the tents will go down from 300 to maybe 100. Because there's rain. But if there's rain and people work, you know, then they will still go to work because it's this demanding thing. They don't want to go to work. They don't want to. But they will go because there's this law over them. Now, we can't have this boss-worker relationship with God. We should have a friendship relationship with God and then know Him so well that we will still visit Him. You know, last night we went to visit friends and it was raining. They just live a couple of houses from us. But we got in our car because we didn't want to walk in the rain. We drove there. doesn't matter if it rains or not. We want to go there because we've got a good friendship with them. It's the same way with God. We can get things right. Um, you know, we can still have commitment. We can still have the love of God. We can still walk in the power of God. But the foundation is not, I should do this. But the foundation is a friendship relationship. Now, I've been studying this message of grace for many years and, and um, I can really say that in the last couple of months, you know, I've really started to experience, not just to understand and to try and talk from it and try to meditate upon it, but I've, tr- I've started to experience a friendship between me and God. Where I can go to God as a friend and I can talk to Him as a friend and where He talks to me as a friend with authority. Not that I'm belittling God. It's like I said in, in previous broadcasts. You know, when it comes to God, and we talk as God as your friend, it's not that we change the authority of God. We just know that this God with all authority, the creator of the universe, which, who He is, the Lord of all things, is now also my friend, because He decided to call us friends by sharing everything with us. Now, the way in which we know that God is our friend is by what He shares with us. Um, you know, if you go and read John chapter, I think it's John chapter 14, Jesus said, you are my friends, for a friend knows, because a person tells all that he knows to his friends. And Jesus said, I've shared everything with you. You know all things. I've, I've shared my heart, everything with you. Therefore, you are my friends. So, the Bible also says in First um, Corinthians chapter 2 that Jesus Christ gave us the Holy Spirit so that we might know the things that are in the depths of God's heart. 
out of that we might know all things that we have freely received in Christ Jesus. So God comes and He reveals His heart, His everything to us, because His perspective is, you are my friend. You know, if somebody works for me, I'm not going to, and I've got a problem, I'm not going to share everything with the people that work with me. But I'll go to a friend and say, you know, I've got this problem um, in the workplace and this and this is happening. What do you think? You know, I'm stressed out about this. Could you pray for me about that? Now, most people will not do that in the work situation. But you'll do it with a friend. And God comes and He shares everything with us for He is our friend. Hallelujah. And I think when we read this, we can just see the friendship heart of God in John chapter 8. Now, this was... Um, Jesus speaking to the woman after she's been accused and, and everything. He said, Woman, where are those, those accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, Now listen, uh, um, this is very important. The, Jesus was standing with a lot of Pharisees and the woman. I want you to see this in your mind. So it was the Pharisees, Jesus and the woman. They said, let's kill her. Jesus, what do you say? He says, no, I don't condemn her. Then she asked them, uh, then he asked her, who condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Then he went on and said to her, I don't condemn you. And then he turned to the Pharisees and this is what he said unto them. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So here he said, what he was actually saying unto them is, you guys that are seeking justification by what you do are walking in darkness and you don't have the light of life. So they tried to walk a, a, a good walk in according to the law. Now, you must remember, the law was such a a strict thing. You couldn't even pick up sticks on a Sunday and you would be killed. If somebody would carry a bed on a Sunday, they would want to kill him. And then they would even kill the person that will tell. They would want to kill the person that would tell the other person you can carry your bed on the Sunday. That was, and you can take that out of um, John, but Jesus also healed the paralytic, told him, take your bed, go home. It was a Sabbath. They wanted, they immediately saw this guy carrying his bed on a Sunday, wanted to kill him. Then he said, no, 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 Jesus told me I should do this. Then there was a bit of a debate. Then they got to Jesus and the Bible, and they wanted to kill him for telling somebody to carry his bed on a Sunday. Imagine that. That is just a system by which you cannot work. That is called, by Jesus, according to the scripture, darkness. Darkness is not just the devil, this devil thing on... YouTube where you type in um, aliens and you see some aliens and darkness and Satanism and all of that's darkness. Now that's also darkness. And um, But we shouldn't think that serving God under the law is just a little bit, uh, you know, like in the dawn of day or sunset or something. You know, at least you can see what you're doing you must realize you are very deep into darkness if you are under the law. For it does not produce um, true life. And this is what happened here. He said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then he said to the, to the people, he said, 
I'm the light of the world. He that follows after me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, if we go to verse 5, it says, listen to the platform from where the Pharisees reasoned. He said, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? Now here Jesus said unto them, When it comes to this woman, you have walked in darkness. Under light of the world, he that follows me shall not walk in darkness. So they weren't following Jesus. They were following Moses. They tried to kill the woman because of a law that was written down in the Bible. Then Jesus said to them, by them following that, which was basically the right thing to do, that that is not the light of life. That will not produce life. That's not the right way of doing. Then Jesus said, if you follow me, the no condemnation way of dealing with sinners, then you are in the light and you will have the revelation or the light of life. Man, isn't that powerful? Now, let's go to, um, let's read verse 13. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, your record is not true. Jesus said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know where I come and where I go. But you cannot tell where I come and where I go. And Jesus went into a deep debate, which I don't want to explain here now. Verse 19, Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. So what Jesus was saying to them is, now listen to this, they were people, we must know this, that was seeking God. They were praying every day. They were fasting. They were giving tithes. They were doing everything that was good. They were so strict according to the law that they were observing every point and comma of the law. They wanted to live this thing. But, in this, they knew not God. Jesus said here, you neither know me nor my Father. Now what that means is, through the law, trying to obey commandments, it's impossible to know God. You cannot know God by the law. It's impossible. You know God by Jesus Christ. And this is what he was saying in verse 12. I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness or in the law. Darkness is called the law. You must realize that the law is not light. Now, I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about the law as, um, and I think I must clarify myself here, I'm talking about the law as something that you do in order to become something. That mentality is called darkness. It's actually called evil. It's evil to think in the presence of God that you can be as holy as God or holy in any degree of holiness by what you do. That means you compare yourself to God. You say, God, well, you are, uh, I agree you are 100% holy and perfect, but at least I can get to some level because I do this and I can do this and I can do this. Now, nobody will go out, right out to God and say, you know, God, I'm holy because I do this and do this and do this. It's not something that we cognitively do. So many times just something that's in our subconscious mind that we live by. You know, at least, you know, I, I've tried. You know, um, at least the motive of my heart was correct. You know, I've tried to do this. I've tried to love. Um, but it's because of circumstances, I wanted to give, you know, but then the car broke down and whatever. So at least God would see that. And if God must look just at the motive of your heart 
according to the rules and regulations you live by, you're never going to qualify. You know, because our hearts are evil before God, without God giving us the new birth, without God making it new. Right, so the light part of the kingdom of God is the message of um, no condemnation. It's the message of, I set you free. It's the message of, I'm not going to take this law and enforce it on you and punish you for this law. Because Jesus knew that He was taking the punishment of that law upon Him. So Jesus was not there to enforce the law. He was there to do the law so that grace can be enforced. So that grace could come into this world. So that grace can be placed on the lives of people. Hallelujah. Remember this, and I'll say it again. Jesus was not there to enforce the law. He came to do the law so that He could take the law that was enforced out of the way so that grace could come, which is then called light. So, if you walk in darkness, you are walking in the ministration of condemnation by which the Pharisees uh, lived. Now, Jesus said that if you are living a life in the law, then you don't know the Father. So, um, in every area of your life where you seek justification by your own works, you're going to find that you don't know God. Now, let's go on to verse 23. And He said unto them, You are from beneath, I am from above. Now, listen to this. He said to uh, the, 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 the Jews or the, the Pharisees, You are from beneath. Why? For they were of the law. So this whole thing, when, when the Bible talks about darkness beneath the world, all those things, it speaks of a law-based system. It does not speak of grace. And it does not speak of just Satanism. Sometimes we think, you know, we, we must realize that the flesh, the world, condemnation, um, darkness, those things are all synonyms for seeking justification by the, the works of man or by the works of the law. So, listen to this. Um, and he said unto them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are from this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am me, you shall die in your sins. So, the only way for people to come alive, is to believe in Jesus. And when you believe in Jesus, then you are born from heaven. When you believe in Jesus, now, and I want to define believing in Jesus. So many times we don't know what it means to believe in Jesus. What, I, what I'm talking about when I say believe in Jesus, I don't believe, I don't say believe that Jesus was on the earth. It's like taking the president of our country, Tabu Mbeki. Now, you can believe that he is president. All people in South Africa and all over the world believe that he is the president of this country. But not all people believe in him that he is a good president and that he is a president that will do everything right. That's why we've got all these political things now going on with him and Zuma and whatever. So, it's because all people don't believe in him. They believe that He is the President of the country. They believe that He says things. They believe that He has got authority. They believe all those things about Him, but they don't believe in Him. They believe that He, not in Him. So, that's the whole thing when it comes to believing in Jesus. Many people say they believe in Jesus, but they actually believe that Jesus. 
Now that might sound um, difficult to understand, but I want to say it again. We don't believe that Jesus only died upon the cross. Yes, we believe that He died upon the cross. Now listen to this. As Christians, there's, there's basically two things that we believe. We believe that Jesus became a human being. We believe that Jesus died for us. We believe that Jesus rose again. We believe that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And now we believe in what He has done. And we believe that because of those things, we have been made righteous. We've died with Him. That means the law man has died with Him. I don't seek justification by what I do anymore. I became righteous. I became holy. I became as He is through Him by believing in Him. And this is what Jesus says here. He says, You are born, you are, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. I said therefore unto you, that you shall die in your sins if you believe not that I am He. You shall die in your sins. So what he says, if you don't believe that I am the one that came to save you. And then the whole context here is making it personal for yourself. Then you shall die in your sins. So what he was saying is, these, he was talking to people that lived holy by the law. They, they were zealous for the law. He said to them, you are in sin. You are, and didn't call their sins. You don't have to have sins to be in sin. You must realize that as well. You don't have to do something wrong to, be, to stand guilty before God. It's by what you believe. What you believe determines if you are guilty before God. You can live a holy life, a righteous life. You can love people, give, do everything that's right, be a good mother, be a good father, be, be good parents. You can be all those good things, love the work of God, give to the work of God, all those type of things, and still not qualify. Because we are not justified by what we do. And if we are not justified by what we do, we are not made guilty by what we do. So, it is all about what we believe. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that He is the one that saves? Because these guys were waiting for the Messiah. They were seeking for the Messiah. So, He said to them, If you don't believe that I am the one, In other words, if they can't come to a place where they can partake of Jesus, if they can't come to a place where they can be in the light as He is in the light, then they will never have life. So remember this, we don't just believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but we believe the Son of God believe in what He's done for us personally. So Jesus wanted them to have this for themselves in person. If you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. So if they don't believe that He's the one that came from above, then they will die in their sins. So you must believe that Jesus is the one that came from above, expecting, because they waited for the Messiah, for they believed in the Messiah. They they already believed in the Messiah. They believed when He comes, then He's going to deliver them. Then Jesus said, if you don't believe I am the one that came from above, so that you can believe in me, then you will never have life. 
Now remember that difference. The difference in believing that um, Jesus came and believing in Jesus for salvation for yourself. Because it's a historical fact that Jesus came. So, under the law, it is a place where you cannot believe in Jesus. Because the language that Jesus speaks is not the language of the law. And the more you are under the law, the more you are going to experience that you cannot believe that God is really a good God. Like I said in in the part before the worship. Man, it's so difficult for people that are under the law to hear the message of grace, especially if they've really been studying out the law. Even, like I said, you know, in, in New Age, which people think is this free religion, this free thought pattern of Afrikaans, you know, that does not, um, having freedom in thoughts, thinking that you're thinking outside of Christianity, is not freedom of thoughts. You are just freeing yourself from grace being in bondage under the law. And I've seen people that have really studied out this new age thing, people that have really studied out the law. That thing gives birth to something inside them that cannot hear grace. They say it can't be. It's like I spoke to somebody and I had a nice chat with, with this old chap about uh, grace and the love of God and he was a new ager. And I could just say this. If somebody is a new age or Muslim or whatever, don't tell them, go and burn the book you read. That's wrong. You can't say that because in that book there's also some elements of truth. Be wise enough to see the good in that and use that to tell the man about the goodness of God and then you can direct into the Bible that says this book is only about that. You know, um, if correctly interpreted, of course. So, Please don't attack people. If somebody comes to you, if a Muslim comes to you today and says to you, listen, chuck away your Bible. Just burn the book, it's false. What are you going to think? Are you going to be out on the defense? Immediately. But if he comes and he says, listen, I want to read something to you from the Bible. And he says, you know, this book contains a lot of truth. But although I believe that the Quran is a better, better way, you know, I, but I also believe there's a lot of truth. Let me show you the beauty in the Bible. Your heart will immediately be more open to such a person. Although I mean, just just for record's sake, the Bible is contains the Word of God and not the Quran. You know, some people sometimes they'll they'll take this part of that, publish it somewhere, and say, oh, you know, this is what what I said. Uh, now I'm not saying that the that the Quran is better. Just listen to the context of the thing. So, what I want to say is, out of the law, you're never going to experience life. Out of the law, you're never going to have a heart for the grace of God. You're never going to have a heart that says, this is the grace of God, this is the love of God, this is really what God does in, in, in the lives of people. You'll struggle to know God. You'll be busy with the things of God. You'll be in this Bible every day without knowing God. It's really like that. That's what, what happens... Um, to people that just want to study the law all the time. You need to believe in Jesus, therefore, then you shall experience salvation. Let's go to verse 31. Then Jesus said unto those Jews which believe in Him, If you continue in My word, now as Jesus spoke, then some of them believed. Then Jesus spoke to those that believed on Him. If you continue in My word, in other words, if you continue 
in this word. What word? The word of no condemnation. Okay? Because that's what he just spoke about here. Not the one Moses says, kill her. Not in that word. There was the word of Moses that says, kill her. Then there was the word that says, I don't condemn you. Then he says, if you continue in my word. In other words, if you don't just start to believe this for a moment and then you continue with other things in your life. That's a problem I've seen so many times. You know, we can, I, I would go to a church priest and preach the grace of God. They would say, hallelujah, bless God, glory to God. And just preach that after I've left for another two or three weeks. And then they go on to deeper stuff. I don't know what deeper there is, but they go on to deeper stuff. On finances or what you must do to get God to bless the church or the nation or walk around the town ten times pouring oil at the corners of, 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 of the town and uh, the gateways, uh, all those type of things, burning stuff in the houses. You know, it is, you can't believe what people go through just to get God to do something for them. You know, and, and uh, it's amazing. You know, no, we must, it's like um, my wife spoke to me about people that would just go and burn everything in their house. They would, my wife made a cross for somebody to bless them and then they've listened to the CD that says even a cross is evil. A cross is evil. That's what they believe. They, they, they believe, you know, you're not allowed to make a cross because you're worshipping the cross and not Jesus that was on the cross. It's changing your focus. You know, so you're not supposed to have a cross. And you're not supposed to make any image of what is in heaven or above and to worship it. So if you've got even Jesus on the cross, that's now also wrong. And they also say that even the, the, a circle is evil. A, a five-point star, four-point four star, how many points, doesn't matter. That's also evil. Everything is... Man, and I tell you the truth, in South Africa there's a guy going around with this and his ministry is massive. It exploded overnight because people are... You know, the, the reason why people grab a hold onto that is because it makes sense to them for they have not been born out of grace. They are born out of the law. That's why they still want those things. If you're under grace, the Bible says to those that are pure, all things are pure. Now, there might be those that are just weak in the faith. They might have come to the faith, but now they're weak in the faith, and that's why they're going to things like that. But I mean, to really go into things like, like that, you, as deep as what I've been talking about now, you man, you, I mean, makeup is a sin. Can you believe it? Makeup is a sin. So, it, it, that's not the way, a woman's not allowed to wear a, 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 a pants because you're not allowed to wear men's clothing. But years ago, men were wearing dresses. So, I, I don't know. This, this thing brings so much death and bondage to people. So, maybe you're watching this for the first time and you're a bit into the spiritual warfare, binding the devil over every town, that type of thing. That's just a lot of nonsense. And I don't want to hurt you by saying it in a harsh way. But that is simply what it is. It, it can't produce life. You'll be so devil conscious... You'll go, wherever you go, you'll see a devil. There'll be a devil in your refrigerator. There'll be a devil in your cast boot. There'll be a devil in the exhaust. There'll be a devil in, in your house. There'll be a devil in the ceiling. There'll be a devil in every type of clothes you get. Demons and devils everywhere. That's not the way God intended for us to live. To be devil conscious. The way, the word worship means to meditate or to ponder on, you know, or to put the work of somebody like the word proskuneo, it means to 
take, like a dog, licking the hand of the master, and that is taking the work, and this is how I see the, just the, the picture value of this, it's, uh, or what I want to portray, the, type, the typology in this is, simply taking the work of that person, putting it in your mouth. If you worship Jesus, you lick His hand. That means, you take what He's done, you put it on your tongue. Now, worship, if you take what the devil has done all the time, and you put it in your mouth, man, you're worshipping Satan. That's it. Do you think that the Pharisees knew that they were worshipping the devil? Do you think the Pharisees knew that they were born of Satan? Do you think they knew that? They didn't know that. Jesus came and... In verse 44, he said to the Pharisees, You do not understand my speech, even because you can't hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. So what he's saying here, here was Jesus speaking to Pharisees, and he said to the Pharisees, Your father is Satan. You are born of the devil. That was God, Jesus, speaking to people, seeking the Messiah through the law of Moses. Man, that's a hard thing. And that is why I say, and this is why Paul said, he said, listen, I don't want to know anything but Christ and Him crucified. When I came to you, I didn't come with wisdom of words, but I came in the ministration of the Spirit and of power. What he said, he didn't come with wisdom of words. A typical thing of wisdom of words is if you walk around the time, around the town four times and we get ten groups of people to pray together and then we get them to wear these Jewish things over their heads and then we get them to um, to just do this right and that right then God's going to give a breakthrough in the town and that's wisdom of words that's not going to give you life you need to know the truth the truth about who God is and when you know the truth about who God is then you will be set free by knowing who He is. We are not set free just by the miraculous power of God. Now, when I listen to this, and I want to clarify this, we are not set free from cancer just because of the miracle power of God. That can get you healed from cancer for now. But what will keep you healed is knowing who God is. That's the thing. I've seen miracles in the ministry so many times. Even today, at the end of the service, I normally pray for the sick. We can see a miracle. But let me tell you something. If you don't know who God is, it will be very difficult for you to maintain that miracle. Because the Bible says you shall know the truth. That which you need to know about who God is, and then that then that revelation of who the Father really is, is what will set you free from whatsoever keeps you in bondage. That's what the Scripture says. Now, uh, um, we must realize that, man, we can't go into all these other types of things. The, the, the other types of things I'm talking about, seeking justification by what you do. Here was people, I want to just repeat this, here was people reading the law of Moses, understanding the law of Moses, coming to tempt Jesus. 
How did they come to tempt Jesus? This was a temptation for Jesus. It was the same thing as what Satan did. He said, well, it is written, you know, that you should do this. And it would be so difficult because Jesus was tempted in both, in two ways. Because he could, if he didn't do what that scripture said, uh, then he would be seen as somebody who violates scripture and doesn't want to walk according to the rules of the Bible. And then, uh, if he could, would find his identity in that, man, let me tell you something, you would have, it would have been very difficult for him. But what he said was, I only do what I see my father do. Because what my father does is the fulfillment of the law. So, the father would, listen, if it wasn't for Jesus, that woman would have died and would have been right to stone her. But then Jesus came and he said, and, and I think this is what he saw in the heavens with the Father, that that woman's sin and the punishment for that sin would be punished according to the law. So he wasn't breaking the law. He took that upon himself. He just moved it to himself. And then he gave forgiveness to the woman. And that was the word of God. And that was what sets people free. Now, if you are a law-based person, it will be very difficult for you to hear that. It will be almost impossible for you to hear that. Now, listen, he says, if you continue in this word of grace, it's like he said to the, to the guy in John chapter 5, he says, go and sin no more, lest something worse happen to you. So, Jesus Christ came, he gave him grace, he gave him mercy, that guy was there at the pool of Bethesda, um, walking according to that law. You know, there was a law. He was living under the law. If you go into this pool, if you're the first one, if you're good enough, then you must be first. If you're not first, then you're going to um, definitely be under the, 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 uh, the, the, the people that qualify for healing. No, no, that's the law. You must be first to be healed. You must be first to qualify. Now, that was just a way of preaching the law. You know how many thousands of people were there, lying sick, hoping to get into the water first after the angel stirred it. And I will never have a pool of Bethesda in my, in my life, in my church, because to me it speaks of the law. Now, you can also interpret that into grace if you want to. Um, but I don't think it was signifying that because Jesus was walking in the midst of that. So, in the midst of that whole thing, you can also see Jesus and you can get healing in that same circumstance free from the governing rule. The governing rule under the law is you must do this, you must do this, you must do this and then you're going to receive from God. Let's take tithing and sowing and reaping for instance. There's a governing rule that says if you tithe and if you give more and you believe and speak, then you're going to receive. But Jesus is also walking amongst us in that, in that doctrine. You can see Jesus there as well. And if you can see Jesus there, you can receive your miracle outside of doing that thing. And then, and, and, and what, let me say that more clear. If you, um, the man was at the pool of Bethesda. At the pool there was a rule, a law that says you must go in first, otherwise you can't be healed. Okay? So you had to qualify. Only the best got blessed. So there was a man lame and he was there for many years and the other guys got toothache. Who's going to be first in the pool? Man? 
Let me tell you something. Uh, the guy that cannot walk struggles to run and, it, and the people that carry him must be very quick if you can find somebody to carry him. So that is a law-based, always depressed, never qualifying, always feeling second best scenario. And then Jesus came, he walked in there, and what did he do? He blessed the one that qualified the least, that couldn't even walk. That's the one that received. And that's exactly the way it works in grace. God blesses the one that does not put his ability, his his, his trust in, I can do it. That guy was lying down there, he says, um, are you sick? He said, yeah, for many years I've got nobody to put me in the pool. So what he was saying was, I can't do it. I need somebody to help me. And that is when God comes in, when Jesus heals you, when Jesus blesses you, when you can come to a place where you don't hear the word of, well, you know, um, I, must, I must do this, otherwise I can't be blessed. That guy could have said, well, you know, I'm sure I'm going to make it now. The stirring is about to happen. I'll do it now. Get out of my way. You know, I'm not going to be first. He could have said that. You know what? He will not qualify because there's some other guy that's maybe just um, got a little bit bad eyesight in his left eye and he's going to head into that pool first. So, the man, what a situation. Now, if he, if he would have said, Jesus, get out of the way, I'm, I'm heading for the pool, he's not going to qualify. That's the first thing. The second thing is, Jesus Christ walked amongst, he was inside that doctrine. Inside the law, you can see Jesus and be healed outside of the law. Inside the situation, you can see Jesus. I can open the law of Moses and I can read it and we can see Jesus and we can be free reading a scripture that says you must do this and we can, without doing that thing, be set free because of Christ that's in that scripture. A very good one is, is, is um, uh, when, when it comes to Deuteronomy 28. The Bible says, If you love the Lord your God with all your heart and do all these things, then these blessings shall come upon you. If you obey the Lord your God with all your heart, then these blessings shall come upon you. Oh, hallelujah. Let's see Jesus in that. The Bible says, To the obedience of one. Many shall be made righteous. So, thank God, Jesus obeyed on my behalf. So, here am I, I'm not heading for the pool, and I'm receiving for free from Jesus, which is also in the midst. Amen. Let's not head for a pool. Let's head for Jesus. And I'm talking about the law. Now, uh, please don't be offended through this, because, um, you know, it... If you can see grace in the pool and you go from the perspective of grace towards that, do it. You can be blessed. You know, but the way I see it um, in that perspective is I see it separate from Jesus. I see it as two healing forces. The one that you must, you must be first to, to, to get healed. The other one is Jesus. Amen. And just Him coming to heal those who don't qualify. <coughs> now, <coughs> what Jesus and I want to get to this, He says, if you continue in my word, Listen to this. If you continue in the message of grace, then you are my disciple or the pupil that learns from me. So, as you continue in grace, then you will know. That word know is 
is, is, is you become intimate with, you'll come to the knowledge of and you will understand the truth. The truth about who God is. And that truth shall make you free. Amen. So, listen. What he was saying is there were people that enrolled into the kingdom of God. When they enrolled into the kingdom of God, it, it was very simple. They, they became disciples, but they were still under the law. Um, and that happens so many times. People get born again, they get part of a church uh, a structure, and when they're part of that st- church structure, then they know, man, you know, I'm saved by grace. But there are still, there are still laws in that church structure. Now, this is what Jesus meant because he was speaking to Pharisees, people that believed on him, Jews that believed on him. And when they believed on him, this is what what they said. They said, if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So, they weren't free yet. They only knew the doctrine of Jesus. And as they continued in the doctrine they were set free. Now I want to say this. Maybe you are still struggling with condemnation. Maybe you're still struggling with sickness. Maybe you're still struggling with poverty. You know, I'm poor. But I'm now in the message of grace. I've heard this message of grace, but I'm still poor. Listen, continue in the message of grace. And as you continue in the message of grace, you will start to believe in who God is and not just in what He has done or what He can do. But you'll believe in the person of God, who He is, the type of God He is. And knowing that, you'll be set free. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that sounds so difficult. You know, that can happen very quickly. That can happen in a day. If you can just get the revelation of, listen, this is the word that Jesus spoke, the doctrine that Jesus spoke. Out of that doctrine, I I start to see who He is. We must always make this thing personal. Take this to the character of God, who God really is. Amen. And then you will see the life of God. Now, John chapter 14 verse 6. Let's go there quickly. I don't want to miss something out here. Yeah, I'll come back to verse 34. John 14, 6. It says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. So, what he said is, he said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth about who God is. If you want to know who God is, Jesus is who God is. So, he said, if you listen to the doctrine Jesus preached, then you will know Jesus. You needed to know the truth to be set free. And the truth is Jesus. We don't need to know the law to be set free. We don't need to know what to do to be set free. We need to know a person. We don't need to know what deeds we must do to be set free from any problem in our life. We need to know a certain person. If we know that person, then we will be set free by who he is. Hallelujah. 
Imagine somebody's love being so strong. Imagine somebody's character being so strong that who he is sets you free from your problems. Who somebody is sets you free from your way of thinking. Who somebody is, just by knowing who a person is, sets you free from hatred and bitterness. Man, isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, it's not just, and and I want to just clarify this, it's not just who He is. We know Jesus, who He is, by what He's done upon the cross for us. Hallelujah. But when we see what He's done for us, this is the whole thing. So many times we just want the relationship with Jesus. But what about the Father? The Bible says you will worship the Father in spirit and in truth through Jesus. Amen. So you will know the truth. You will know what Jesus has done. When you know what Jesus has done, you will see through that great love and all the works you are set free. And by that you will know who the Father truly is. And then you will be so impacted by the person of God that the person of God will set you free from the problems you have. You've got a temper problem. The only thing that can set you free is knowing what Jesus has done that is so powerful it brings freedom to you. It brings a miraculous power that sets you free like this. But let me tell you, you'll stay free by knowing the person of God. Let me say this. If you've got an anger problem, for instance, and you pray and God sets you free, you feel much better for two weeks. But you still believe that God is angry when, when people sin. You're going to be angry when somebody sins towards you because you're going to feel I'm like God. And you're going to have that problem again. So you can be miraculously set free in one second by the Holy Spirit power because of what Jesus has done. But your revelation, you need to abide in the truth. You need to walk in the truth. That's what he said. Go and sin no more. Don't be in unbelief anymore. Continue in Jesus. Remember, when the Bible talks about sin, for those of you listening for the first time, when the Bible talks about sin, it's not talking about sins or deeds of sin. It's talking about the great sin which, or most of the time, it talks about the great sin which is unbelief in Jesus Christ. Okay, so, um, let's go to, 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 okay, I've just read John 16. I didn't want to miss out on that. He says, he says I am the truth. I am the way to the Father. So the way to true blessing, the way to the Father, is only through Jesus. Only through the no condemnation word. So for you to go to the Father, you first need to hear the no condemnation word. Then as you hear the no condemnation word, and you rest, you hear it enough, that you can come to a place where you can rest your mind in that no condemnation word. That is when you are reaching the heart of the Father. And that heart of the Father is what brings forth the true change in our lives. Now that's not difficult people. It can happen, it happens in a moment. It can happen in a moment, but I also believe Jesus said to these disciples, of them, listen, you need to continue in my word. And I think he also said that because he knew that he was going to die. And that the true salvation has not yet appeared to them because he hasn't been resurrected from the dead. And if they could continue in that word and receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, then they will experience who God is. 
I think that was the perspective from which Jesus spoke this. But I also want to just take this to modern life today and the way we live today. As you continue in the Word, you shall know, you shall have experiential knowledge of the truth about who God is and the truth about who God is and what is done for you will set you free. Free from Moses, free from condemnation, free from the law, free from the things that you want to be free from in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Now, let's go to verse 34 and we end off with this. Jesus answered and said to them, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever commits sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. That means, um, you, if, if you're a servant of sin, if you're under the law, you're a servant of sin. Now, next Sunday, maybe sometime, I'll get into this. Go, get, go into the fulfillment of the law under word well. You can go and listen to that. There's a couple of messages. explains this. It says, if the Son sets you free, in other words, if you get free from under the law, you shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. And um, because He has set you free, you shall not be a slave anymore. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my Father, and you do that which you have seen of your Father. Now listen, Jesus said here, I know you are Abraham's seed in the physical, but who you are in your being is born of Satan, because just in the, in, in, in the uh, uh, verse 42 he says, if you were, your, um, sorry here, why am I missing it now? Verse 44, you are of your father the devil. So Jesus said to the Pharisees here, yes, you are Abraham's seed, you are born out of Abraham. Of course, you are now part of the covenant and all those beautiful things. But the life that you find in you is born out of the law. It brings forth death. It wants to kill. It cannot accept my word. Amen. So I want to just say this to you. We open our hearts to the message of grace. We open our hearts to the life. Of God. Now, it's not to say that somebody that's been so deep into the law cannot be born of God. It's not to say that he cannot be touched of God. He can. There was Nicodemus being trained of Jesus. There was Paul uh, really deep into this, killing the church, also being born of Satan. And then he was born of God as he simply could believe the message of God's unconditional love and grace. Hallelujah. So, let us just encourage you to continue into the message of grace. And as you continue, you will find that you start to know the person of God. That's what I want to say just as a summary. It's all about knowing the person of God, who He is. And the person of God is only known by the message of no condemnation. So, listen to the message of no condemnation. You will know who God is and who He is, you'll find, gives you the true freedom inside your heart. Of course, it was through what happened upon the cross. But listen, there was a time in my life when I was just saying, you know, yes, Jesus paid for my sins. But when I started to know how much He loves me, that gives me the true freedom from that condemnation. Yes, Jesus paid for my sins, so it's been paid for. I've been set free from the punishment of sin. Yes, it is so. So if I die, I'll go to heaven. I'm not going to be punished for my sins. Yes, hallelujah, bless God. But what sets me free from that thing in my heart that says... When I say, oh yeah, you know, God is now really going to judge you. He's going to put you through this hard time and all of that. Or that just that guilt 
that comes in your heart. Forget about God. Just a guilt in your heart. What sets me free from that and what has set me free from that was very simple. It was, um, it was who God is. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to pray for you. After we have prayed, um, you know, I'm just going to speak a blessing over you. And then we're going to go over to, the, to our exit song. And I want to just thank everybody that has joined into, this, into Web Church. If you want to become a member of Web Church, please contact us. We would like, like to speak to you about this. Just um, email us with your contact detail and we will just simply um, give you a call, chat with you, explain to you everything in depth. If there's any questions about Web Church, if you've got anything that you would like to add to Web Church, if you say, Beth, you know, I think if you do it this way or that way, it will really bless people. Man, just feel free, you know, uh, to share with us. We would love to hear from you. Amen. And just take this message, listen to it again tonight if you've got some time. It will be in the archive in the week. Listen to this. Hallelujah. And we are very busy with the Five Minute Bible School, just to inform you about that. Um, I know that Five Minute Bible School is going to touch the lives of many people. It's just a little bit more work than what we thought. We want to do it uh, professionally. We want to do it right. So just be a bit patient. It's going to be online very soon. Amen. I thought it would be two weeks ago, but it's not. I thought then this week, it's already uploaded, but we have not um, activated for you. So, it works for me, but it doesn't work for you at the moment. But very soon it will be working. Thank you so much. Let's just pray together, and then we're going to go over to, um, to, to our exit song. Father, I thank you for every person that has just watched this broadcast. I thank that we can bless the mothers in Mother's Day. We can bless those Ladies, this has been so faithful all the time. I thank you, my God, that we just speak your blessing, your rest over everybody that has watched this. Healing for everybody that is sick. I thank you, my God, that your healing power just flows through the lives of people right now. I bring healing over everybody, everybody that is sick in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah and Amen. Thank you that you've watched and God bless you.